Bless you. Bless you, sir. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Come on. To God be the glory. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Take your seats, please. I want to take this opportunity to really thank God for this time. And I'm so glad that I'm here. I'm meeting Pastor and his beautiful wife, Phyllis. I'm thankful for the team that came to Uganda. And Pastor... I mean, you have a jewel here. You have a, bl a blessed man of God in this house. And, uh, and uh, by the grace of God, we've met so many people and we've hosted so many in Uganda. I've um, spoken in a few churches here in America. And uh, when you get a man that loves God and no strings attached, and he preaches Christ and he lays it all out as it is with no compromising, he has God in his heart, and he knows how to help you have open heaven. That is a blessing, and you have that person right here. So, Pastor, I hold you in high spiritual regard, and I want to thank you so much for um, obeying the voice of the Lord and the call of God on your life, and that you have allowed yourself to be a blessing to nations. And uh, the spiritual world in our country shifted since pastor and the team came to uganda amazingly amazingly we've had great times we had you know beautiful seasons and all of that and we have seen you know relative miracles but when pastor came and he spoke in our church uh, and to the city because he wasn't just speaking to our church he was speaking to the city uh, and to our nation uh, he spoke into our nation he spoke into our lives he spoke into our church and since then there was a shift in our church. Huge shift. The miracles, the levels of miracles, they went in, to, to different proportions. It became easier for me to even facilitate what God's doing there because really God shows up pretty quickly. I mean, it was the heavens open for us. And uh, there were no strings attached. Pastor came and, uh, you know, we didn't have to fulfill these requirements on those requirements and we didn't have to act a certain way he just it's just simple and and then he just gives it out and uh, the, the the leaders too that came with him exhibited the same spirit and we're so thankful and we can't wait to have him back and uh, next time when he comes we're gonna we're gonna steal his return ticket <laughs> hide it somewhere and uh, Felix, you better come with him <laughs> because we want we wanted him to continue. And I mean, I mean, when he comes again and the team comes again this time, we don't know what's going to happen because they, they, they you know, they, 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 we don't want to have enough facility to actually accommodate because uh, the meeting became a reference point, even up to today. It's a reference point. Testimonies after testimonies and testimonies, they say up to this day. And it was when Pastor Dozek came, during that Pastor Dozek's visit, uh, during that, it was when, I mean, everyone, sinners are having testimonies, people that got healed then got testimony, things that started then, now they're matured, started then. So to us, it was a, a pivotal moment in the Holy Spirit. And then he, he prayed over me, and I put his jacket on me, and I'm telling you, some got on me. Something good got on me. And uh, ha. so when he left, 
I, I mean, we had promised people were going to be here Sunday morning, and they expected it all Sunday night. So they expected him to come Sunday night, and uh, he had to come. And uh, of course, it was my, yeah, my miscommunication to the to the people. And uh, I told them, look, he's not going to be here tonight, but I, I got his coat. <laughs> I got his coat. So you better come. I got his coat. And I'm telling you, I put on that coat. It needed a little bit of adjustment, but that didn't matter spiritually. I'm telling you, you know, I had to tailor it back and make it, you know, slim fit. But that didn't matter that night. I put on that coat and miracles happened. And miracles happened. So, you know, when you have preached so many years and you've been blessed to meet so many people and then you meet, you know, an anointed man of God in the career of Pastor Dozek, you say, wow, why didn't I know him before? What happened? I should have known him 20 years ago. So I'm here. I'm blessed. Now I'm here in this church. Beautiful, beautiful church. Beautiful facility. It's amazing. It's a blessing. So thank you so much for sending him our way. Send, thank you for releasing him to come bless the nations. And I'm sure the more he gives, the more you guys get blessed. Amen. So turn with me um, in, in the book of Luke, uh, chapter number 6. The book of Luke, chapter or gospel according to St. Luke, chapter number 6. And then I came and hung around with wonderful people here. Uh, we, we love the whole team. We love the whole team. And, and, you know, when pastor came, I told my team, now I want you to watch. Watch pastor, but also watch the team that, have, that has come with them. So that you can see and learn, you know, how they flow with them how they come across, how they minister, learn from their spirit, how they share. And my people, we are learning. And we've learned so many. Just to watch the team work together and the spirit of unity, the collaboration. They hear from each other. They flow in the same spirit. Oh, my God. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. And uh, each one of them, I don't want to go into names because each one of them are just amazing. Uh, it, they blessed us. And... Uh, and we are looking forward to seeing them again. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. So, in the book of Luke, uh, the Bible says, chapter number 6, if you can. Um, and uh, there's a verse there. And it's verse number 6 going down. The Bible says, Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. <clears throat> then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? to save life or to destroy. And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as well as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. 
So this scripture here is telling us how God comes in and helps us with the things that we cannot help ourselves. So I'm going to talk about this a little bit, about this guy that needed a visitation from God. How many can, can, have, can, can use a touch from God right now? You can use a touch from God. You can use a visitation from God. You are hungry, you are open, you are flexible, you say, God, I'm hungry and I'm open. And that's what I'm seeing in Uganda happening. People are hungry, people are like, I mean, I step on the platform at 9 p.m. or 9.30. And we close at 2.30, 3 a.m. every day. And people are still, they want it. You close the service at 3 and they still look at you. And say, now you, you preached past the time that we had to go home. It is not safe for us to go back footing, walking five, I mean, you know, five miles, ten miles away on foot. Now you're closing the service. You better go and take it all the way to six. They are begging for more. It's a hunger. There's a hunger of God that's happening in the, in, in the world right now. But look at this. So Jesus comes and he finds an established church run by Pharisees and Sadducees and he wants to do a miracle. He wants, he, he wants to, touch, to turn the service into a healing service and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they are not up to that at all. They didn't even expect that. So he comes in in a situation that is almost an almost situation where they, they don't expect these kind of things or they don't even believe in it. And he is going to introduce the miracle power of God within that, 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 that service. And, and that makes me believe that God has a gift of interruption. I mean, he doesn't have a gift, but, but you know what I'm talking about. So, so when Jesus comes... Uh, into your situation, he's going to have to interrupt. And the revival can never happen unless we allow God to interrupt. A revival cannot come because we are willing to continue doing what we've been doing. We cannot break through just because we are holding on to the status quo. Somebody has to adjust and somebody has to say, well, <laughs> because that's what actually Jesus does. He says, now that I'm here, we are going to do things differently. That's what he does. He has an attitude of taking over. He does not know how to fit in. He only knows how to be Lord. And he, he comes in and says, okay, now you shut up. I'm the king, and the king is in his temple, so let everybody be silent. That's what he does. He, he, you know, he, 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 he does not know how to fit in. So here, they are organizing the service, and that's how he came into my life. You know, I, I give you a background of, of my life. Um, I was born to die. I was born to die. I was too sick to live when I was just a baby. My mother didn't want me when I was just two months old. She decided, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to survive. I'm going to die. So she, she knew I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, and I was too sick to leave. And uh, they had issues with, uh, with my father. She dumped me, and she left for me to die because she knew I was going to die anyway. Two days later, my father couldn't put up with me, and he decided that he throws me on the garbage heap because I wasn't good and I was going to die. So on the way to the garbage heap, my grandma picked me up. And she tells my dad, you know what? I'm going to take him and see if he's going to survive. You know, well, she took me to just a few days. And uh, all of a sudden, she goes like, no, he's not going to survive. Do you want him back or I throw him on the garbage heap? My dad said, I don't want him anymore. So throw him out. So on the way to throwing me in the garbage heap, uh, my aunt came to my rescue. 
And she goes like, you know what? I know he's going to die. He cannot survive. But at least let him have a decent funeral. Let him die in a home and is buried like a human being. So she took me, expecting me to fall dead in a minute. She was only watching my heart beat. And you know, guess, guess, guess what? I, 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 I kind of refused to die. I, I, I kept blinking and I kept, my heart kept pumping. And uh, God delivered me. I did not die. So I grew up with my aunt. And my, my father wasn't a Christian. My aunt wasn't a Christian. I didn't know God. I didn't know anything. So I grew up in that kind of environment. My aunt was very poor. Actually, in my, my home, I'm, I mean, you have heard this expression before. We were so poor that even poor people called us poor. Okay, so um, if you're poor and you don't believe you're poor and you have a poor guy call you poor, you better believe that's a confirmation. You're poor. So, so that's how I was. And, uh, and we couldn't afford anything in life and those type of things. So as I grew up, my, aunt, my, my father was murdered by Idi Amin. Uh, you heard that dictator, Idi Amin, he killed a bunch of people. So my father was murdered during that bad regime of that dictator. And uh, on the funeral, or at the funeral, that's when my mother showed up. I was, I think, about, I don't know, 15 or 16. I don't know. I, I, I don't even know my age right now. I, 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 you know, so I, I was um, maybe 15 or 16. I, I go with the flow. People ask me, how old are you? I say, it depends on how I feel. <laughs> because I have no birth certificate. Nobody wrote anything down. They don't know. I got my aunt together, my mom together. And all my people, and say, when was I born? They don't remember the day. They don't remember the month. They don't remember the, 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 uh, the, the, the year. So, it works for me sometimes. <laughs> I, like, I used to tell them, I'm just in my 30s, but a few things now can tell a story, a different story. But the thing is, you know, I, I don't know when I was born. So, um, depends on how I feel. If I'm jet lagged, like right now, I feel 70. I feel I'm 70. I don't say that's old. But anyway, (laughs) long story story short, my aunt showed up at the funeral, and after the funeral, she went back to an address I never knew. In other words, she needed one to take me in. She just disappeared through the crowds and left. I felt like that life wasn't fair. So I wanted to commit suicide because eventually, a few days later, because my father is gone, I was never close to him, but he was my father, but he's gone, and my aunt is poor, so life wasn't really relevant to me whatsoever, so I wanted to just commit suicide, and that's another long story. God delivered me from committing suicide because I had already made up my mind, and I identified a tree where I was going to hang myself. That's a different story. So... I decided to just, to just be there and be miserable with life and all of that stuff. And um, that's when Jesus came into my life. I had moved into the city uh, to continue with my studies. I was going to high school in the city, and that's where I met a friend of mine. He, he, he told me, Jesus loves you, and I didn't even know who Jesus was. Took me to church for the first time. I was impressed. Wow, because I saw love. I'd never been loved before, never seen love at play in my life. So I said, you know what? This is good. I can go back again. So I went back again to the, second, the following Sunday, and guess what? The preacher preached my entire life. He read my mail. And I almost got offended sitting in the pews. 
I said, no, 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 that's not fair. He's talking about me. So I thought maybe a friend of mine had gone back to the church in the middle of the week, told him about me, because I told, me, I told him I'm going to go back again. He must have told him about my story. And I almost got offended. But uh, I knew that God was looking for me. So I remember saying, when he was giving the altar call, that preacher, his, I said to God, God, I don't know you, I don't know you, but if you are able to take this broken life and use it for anything good, I'm going to give it to you. We're only like three people that walked to the front. I stood up, walked to the front, gave my life to Jesus. Wow. And God goes like, got you. It's like God was looking for me. So he's like, got you now. Let's run. Let's roar. I got off with Jesus so quickly. We, we were so fast doing things. God came into my life with that bubbling life. I was so excited about Jesus and all of that. Two days later, God filled me with the Holy Spirit. Never knew anything called the Holy Spirit. Never had anything called the Holy Spirit. I was just a just brand new Christian. Did not terminology whatsoever. I was just kneeling down in my brother's room telling God that God, they told me that I'm now a Christian and that I've been changed. Please help me understand this because I don't understand it. That's what I was praying to God two days after I gave, I gave my life to Jesus. And all of a sudden, it became emotional. And all of a sudden, I'm raising my voice. All of a sudden, tears ran down my cheeks. And all of a sudden, my tongue ran crazy. I didn't know what's happening. So, I, I, I wanted to stop. I could not stop. And I raised my voice of high, shaking a little bit and speaking in tongues. I didn't know what it was. Oh, my God. So, the only thing I knew that is funny, whatever it is, it was maybe some, some spirits or some demonic, whatever. Is this, is this some kind of trick or some kind of, what is this? So, I went to the church and asked the pastor, uh, something funny got on me when I was praying. What is this? And he said, what, 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 what exactly? I told him. He just laughed and said, that's the Holy Spirit. I said, what is the Holy Spirit? He said, no, no, don't ask what is the Holy Spirit. Ask who is the Holy Spirit. So he broke down for me, and he read the scriptures, couple, couple of scriptures for me. These signs are full of them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. I put my finger, I, I put a piece of paper right there in my Bible. I went back, and I started to read. And two days later, no, no, the following day, the third day, I went back to the scriptures that he read to me. And I, I began to ponder. I said, oh, wait a minute. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Wait a minute. These are the tongues that I, sp I spoke in yesterday. Does this also mean I can cast out devils? Oh, that's interesting. So I went with my Bible open, went back to the pastor and said, guess what? I think God wants me to cast out devils. I didn't even look at this when you read it for me yesterday. Look, it says, I shall cast out devils and speak with new tongues. Can you teach me how to do this? He looked at me and said, young man, okay, you just came to know Jesus this Sunday, okay? This is Wednesday. 
you need to slow down. <laughs> you need to go slowly by slowly. And uh, eventually you'll be able to do that. And then I looked at him and I said, but pastor, the Bible does not say that those that go slowly by slowly. It says that those who believe. And you are the one who told me because I was a believer, I was able to do this. He looked at me, he could not even believe my response. And he goes like, well, young man, um, I don't know how to teach you, but uh, you just said, devil, go in Jesus' name. You have faith in your heart that God honors what you say and that the devils obey you. And you said, devil, go in Jesus' name. And uh, I say, okay, uh, is that all? I said, well, uh, pretty much that's it. I told him, thank you. I went home. My pastor thought I was going home. I did not go home. I started to go in the neighborhood looking for somebody who's got devils so I can cast them out. That very day. Went around because in Africa you could find those people walking in the street, you know, whatever it is. So, so I went hunting. I couldn't find anybody that day. That's the third day after I came to Jesus. Third day. I didn't find anybody that day. And the following day, I went down on my knees and said, God, won't you find somebody today that's got devils? Please. Please. After prayer, I couldn't even pray for five minutes. I didn't care. After prayer, I went. Started walking the street. And guess and behold, I found a guy who was a maniac. Right walking in the street. Rotten rags, hair hanging, as dirty as they become. He's a lunatic. You know, it's, you know, lights on, but nobody home, okay? <laughs> as I was passing him, one thought told me, if you're looking for somebody who's got devils, he's got a lot. So I looked at him, and I realized, okay, how do I do this? How do I pray? I mean... I should have asked the pastor for details. How do you start? How do you start? Anyway, long, it's a long story, and I don't wanna, I wanna preach here. So, long story short, I think it's the spirit of God. He helped me to, to, to get an idea of how I can do this. It wasn't far away from our house. So, I said, if he doesn't fight, I'm gonna try to see if he can, I can lead him to the house so I can pray for him there, not in the street. So, okay. Okay, I tried to grab his hand, and thankfully, he wasn't violent. So as long as I pulled him, he could follow me. When I stop, he stops and hangs out. So I pulled him. People looked at me crazy. What are you doing? You young man, and called me young boy. You boy, what are you doing? So I was pulling this guy, huge guy, small boy, taking him to the house. And uh, I took him to the house. And I remember pastor told me, every day, now that you're a Christian, kneel down and pray. So I know you have to kneel down to pray. So I went down on my knees, and the guy was like, you know, in the room. And uh, I closed my eyes, because they told me you have to humble yourself. So I humbled myself, closed my eyes, and I said this, devil, go in Jesus' name. Because that's all the pastor told me. I didn't even worship, I didn't even sing, I didn't even bring this issue before the Lord. None of that. Devil, go. In Jesus' name, I said three times, 
and I opened my eyes just a little bit to see if, okay, that's, that's it. Because I never seen anybody being prayed over. I never. I never did. was not in church. But when I opened my eye just a little bit, I saw this guy like, like he wanted to bust out or whatever cry. Or <laughs> oh, I closed them back. I closed them back. And I say it again, devil go in Jesus' name. Devil go. On the second time, this guy screamed out with a loud voice. Ah! I jumped up. I thought maybe he wanted to fight me, but he was completely out of his mind. Oh my gosh, that's when I learned how to watch and pray. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't close my eyes again. Okay, I couldn't close my eyes again. So devil go in Jesus' name. Devil go. The more I emphasize that, the more this guy cried out, demon screamed out and said, what are you doing? Don't cast us out. This was what was saying. Don't do that. Stop calling that name. Stop doing that. This has been our house for 20 years. Don't kick us out. Stop it. And I was, devil go in Jesus' name. I was like a tape recorder. I, this is the only statement I knew. And I started with that. I ended with that statement for about two hours. The guy kicked and threw up and did everything, walked like a snake on this. I, I'm telling you, everything was down there. I was watching. I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't stop. I knew that God was doing something. Oh, my God. I was amazing, amazed. So anyway, this after, after a long time, he... He failed and he's, he stopped acting for like, a, you know, like, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 seconds. And he breathed out like several times. And that on the carpet, he was, you know, on the floor. We didn't have a carpet, on a cement. And then he opened his head after breathing several times, opened his eyes. He lifted up his head and opened his eyes. The first word from his mouth is, where am I? And the second word is, who are you? I told him, I picked you up, I prayed for you. And, uh, and I introduced myself to him. And he started to say, oh, my, I miss, where's my mom, mother? Where's my mother? Why am I looking like this? He goes back, oh, my God, because he was almost naked. You know, rotten rags. And, oh, my God, what, what's going on? Where am I? So he was back. And uh, so I wanted to, um, I wanted to um, have a reason to take him, take him to, the, to my pastor. So I asked him to, if he want to give his life to Jesus. And I, want, I wanted the answer to be no, so that I can say, okay, you need to go and get an explanation to the church about how you can come to Jesus. He ended up saying, yes, now I have to pray for him to get saved. So I said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? Say, yes, I want to. So, okay, close your eyes. Say, Jesus, Jesus, save me, save me. Amen, amen. Say, look, me too, I don't know about these things. I told him, I don't know much about these things, but I just prayed for you. So don't ask me anything, but I'm going to take it to pastor to explain to you what happens and what you do from here. So, so, so let's, let's go to church. I said, and then, no, I cannot go like this. And was close, you know, trying to, was very shy about how he was looking. 
He was huge. I didn't have anything to feed him. So I just gave him something to wrap himself up. and said, look, don't worry. You're going to walk like this for the, for, for, at least for the last time of your life. So let's go. Let's go. I didn't, wanna, I, I didn't have anything to share. I didn't have a scripture to give him. I didn't have nothing. I didn't, so get out. Let's go. So, so we went to church. And, uh, and I, I told pastor, guess who? I, I, I prayed for this guy. He said, oh, my God. I knew you. I knew it. I knew it. You young man, I knew it. I saw it in your eyes. You are going to be a man of faith. So the church gave this guy clothing and um, showered and all of that, shaved everything. And then he took us to his home village. He was far away, so many miles away, you know, like 70 miles away. They forgot about him. 15 years, they thought that he's dead. They actually did a funeral without a body to at least recognize that he's dead. They didn't know anything. His name is Fred. When they saw him, his mother almost fainted. He, she thought she was seeing a ghost. Long story short, the entire village, I'm, I'm not even exaggerating, the entire village came to Jesus Christ right there. <clears throat> without a crusade, without a seminar, without a preacher, without anybody, everybody would just come. It's like a tour. People would come, you know, you know in, in the news, travel quickly. So one neighbor tells another neighbor, another neighbor tells another neighbor. So people would stream in. And we just wait. We'll be there for several days. We just wait until 20 people come. And then we explain to them what happened. They saw him. They, he's talking and all of that. And, uh, and we just say, would you like to give your life to Jesus, the one that has healed Fred? Say, oh, yeah, no problem with that. No problem. We pray for them. Another team come. We wait until they're 20 or 30. And we say there's something. And we say there's something. There was no church in the area. So my pastors were compelled to start a church there. Because everybody had come to Jesus Christ. You know, you know even immediate communities and even far communities. Because of Fred. Fred today is a preacher of the gospel. He has planted I don't know how many churches now. And uh, he's, uh, he's on fire for God. He has, he, ha he has children now that are grown up. And... Uh, and God has used him up to this time. It's a great miracle that God has performed in Jesus' name. But it happened whenever just simple faith acting, acted out, trusting God, trusting Jesus, great things happen in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Our God is a mighty God. He's a mighty God. He does not care how much you know. As long as your heart is right, he's going to move. So, so, so in, in this statement here, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go quickly here in this message and we have time of prayer. In my church, it takes me about 20 minutes to say hello. But I have 15 minutes, and let's use them this way. So I want us to go through this. So Jesus, the Bible says, it happened on another, another Sabbath. Also, he entered the synagogue and taught, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. So if you need a miracle, you need to have to allow God to come and interrupt. There has never been a revival where God does not interrupt our schedule. He's an interrupter, a good interrupter. Like I told you, he has an attitude of taking over. When he comes in your life, he changes everything. These people don't prepared. And if we have so much preparation done and we feel that we owe the program, you know, you know, you know, you know, allegiance, that way we cannot shift things and turn things around or even turn off things so that God, Jesus can have his way, we'll never have revival. When God comes, he needs you to adjust. He 
is a master at interrupting, but for our good. At one time, he meets people going on a funeral. He stops the whole process and he says, hey, stop. He interrupts the program, the schedule. And all of a sudden, he raises the guy from the dead, the boy from the dead, and everybody has to go change. They change why Jesus has come in and has interrupted schedule. I pray that some of us will get those divine interruptions from the Holy Spirit. That God will be able to stop that which the devil is trying to build in your life. I don't know if it's cancer or ania or asthma or high blood pressure. The enemy is pushing the envelope to put you in a corner right away. Jesus comes and says, you know what? We're going to have to change this one today. Sorry, devil. It is me now today, and I'm changing my daughter and my son. God is able to do that. So he came in, interrupted the schedule, and guess what happened? The Bible said the man was there. The man was in the church. So it is possible to be in a church, but with a need. And some of you say, how come I give so much? How come I love God so much? I'm here on Wednesdays. I'm here on Sunday. I do everything. But I still have a need. It is possible to be in a church with a need. This guy was an ardent member. He goes to church every day. He was there. He was maybe prominent because he was right there where everybody can see him. But he had a need that hadn't been met yet. I don't care what the devil has done in your life. I don't care if it is 20 years. One visitation of the Holy Spirit can exempt your life from struggling. Exempt you from struggling. I used to struggle preaching. I used to struggle doing a lot of things when I was just starting ministry. And God met me. Actually, I was walking in the streets of Tanzania, uh, in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And he told me, stop struggling. God told me that. He said, I am not a struggler. And I never called you to struggle because you are representing me. So stop it. I used to love struggling. I even, even, how are you doing? Struggling. Struggling was my last name. How are you? Well, as you know, struggling. And I said, stop it. It doesn't glorify me and I never called you to do that. From that day, I refused to struggle. I decided to never struggle. And I don't struggle. I get challenges, yes. I get, you know, whatever, yes. But I don't, go I don't work from a struggling point of view. I go from, from glory to glory, from victory to victory. Every struggle, every challenge, every attack of the enemy launches me in, on a new path of victory. And then I get new challenges, and then I'm launched to new victories in Jesus' name. So it's in just a mentality. God can exempt you from struggling. He can destroy. The enemy wants to use the spirit of limitation and restriction to hold you back. He doesn't care how much get you, God you get in the church. He knows how to get you. He knows how to limit you. If he can just limit your enthusiasm, limit your progress, he's got you. Some of you, you're not going the wrong way because the devil knows he cannot keep you in the wrong way. You're in the right way, but limited. In progress, limited in speed, limited in how much you can achieve for God and for your life. So he knows that he cannot stop you from loving Jesus, but he can at least slow down how many people you can touch in his name. 
He cannot take you. Say, say yeah, you're going to backslide. Some of you, you are, you are so much sold out in God. He can never even use that kind of temptation. You, you, you know you're going to go to heaven. You're going to love Jesus. And you're going to live in eternal life. But the thing is, how many people can you take? How much life you can enjoy here? How many people can influence? I think that's where the limit is. So he uses a spirit of limitation and restriction to hold your feet. You go from one, from A, B, C, and then go back to B, and then C, and then B, and C. So he's so subtle. He leaves a little bit of motion, so you think you're making progress. Because it's, there's this motion. Oh, yeah. How are you doing? Moving on, moving on. But you don't know where you're moving. You're moving back. From A to B to A to B. He knows that. He plays that game. And before you know, two years later, you're doing the same thing. Five years later, you haven't changed. And God called us to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. You want to have new levels of victories, new levels of, new levels of breakthrough, but he doesn't like that. So when Jesus comes in, he counteracts with that and he destroys that spirit. So he's coming in now. A guy is in the church, but he needs help. A guy is in the church, but he needs help. He needs his hand to be restored. He needs, a he needs a supernatural healing. He needs God to touch him. And who stands in the way? Pharisees and Sadducees, they are conducting the service because they want things to stay as they have been 200 years ago. And the Lord is coming in this church to break the spirit of religion, the spirit of witchcraft, the spirit that holds us in one place. You know, you just, when we're here, it just goes through emotions and motions and motions, and that's it. We are here to touch a living Christ. Jesus is so real. His power is relevant and is real in our lives. And he can perform miracles, signs, and wonders, just like he has performed miracles across the world. He can perform miracles right at your address in Jesus' name. So the guy's hand is withered. And Jesus comes and tells, he does a few things, and I, I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this. He says this. Okay. The Bible verse number. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, and that's the religious people. And uh, and I'm not sure we have any religious person here because some of us, not, not us. Okay, you're good. Okay, but people that didn't come tonight. Okay, those are the ones I'm talking about. So I'm saying this for the sake of the recording, so that way they can hear it. But you're good. Some people come to church to watch. They want to watch things happen. And God never called us to watch. He called us to participate. If this center, if this church, if this vision is going to go to levels that we, we believe God's taking it, everybody's going to be a participant. You're not here to just be a sideline. I mean, I used to be a good soccer player. Soccer player. I mean, talking about soccer, not, you know, we call it football. You call it soccer. You need help. What you call football is non-football. It's handball. You hand the ball and run, you know, logically, logically. Hand the ball, you hold the ball and run with it. Hand ball, football. You kick it. The only, the only time you kick it is when everybody stands like this. And you do that like twice hours in the whole game. <laughs> okay, you need revival in that area. So anyway... Long story short, long story short, I used to be a good soccer player, right? And every time you are playing, okay, you, the one team is 11 people, the other team is 11 people. But if you are playing, you can feel the pressure. 
Because when you get the ball, 11 other people want the ball. They want to take it away from you so they can play it against you. So you feel the pressure. You only have split seconds to pass it or to do something good with it. You feel the pressure. But if you are not playing and you are outside watching, you see so many mistakes. Oh, man, how could you miss that? Oh, come on, guys. He's not doing well. We need a substitute. Let's sub him or whatever it is. Why? Because you are on the sideline watching from a distance. So watch out people that are critical to whatever God is doing in the church or whatever God's doing in the kingdom. They are on the sideline. You cannot be watching those many critical issues. If, you, if you're a participant, if you're a participating believer, you're going to have to build together, believe together, pray together, work together, harmonize everything, and make sure that your team wins. Every time you're critical, you know you're on the sideline. And it's very easy to see mistakes outside, man. You, you, it's very easy to see who is, a, who is a offside, who did this. That's a foul. That's a foul. That's a foul. So, what happened here? The Pharisees and the Sadducees were like that. They watched Jesus. Nobody ever given, be given a, the grace to spectate. I have the gift of spectation in the church. And that's where I sit and watch Pastor Dozek. And the way I see it, he needs to change a couple of things. That's when you know you're not participating. We are here to be a part of what God's doing. Not to participate, not to watch from a distance. So they watched him closely where they will heal the Sabbath that, that he may what? Accuse him. You know what happens? The spirit of accusation will rise. Inside of your spirit, a critic, of being a critical person, because you are, you are, you are, you know, watching from a distance. Again, you're not here. I'm just saying that for the sake of the tape, uh, you are all good. So I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor, maybe. Okay, here is the Bible says, but he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had a withered hand, and now these are the things I want to talk to you about, and I'll close. Okay, arise and stand here, and he arose and stood. That's how you get healed. That's how you get a miracle. So Jesus is now, now I'm starting to preach. I was just setting the stage. I'm preaching for the next 10 minutes. Jesus comes in the church. He sees what's at stake. The right hand of this guy is, 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 a, is, is what? It's withered. It's dried. It has no life, okay? The guy needs a miracle. And when you look at this portion here, Jesus did not even come here to do anything. He didn't even preach anything. He didn't even do anything else. He just came, healed this guy, and found his exit. So the guy is a critical uh, person here. He wants to heal this guy. And as he comes to heal this guy, now animosity arises, and the Pharisees don't want to do this because it's another Sabbath. Because the previous Sabbath, Jesus had, also, or, 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 uh, had violated it already. Okay? Now he's doing it again. He's at it again, and he's healing another one on the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees are like, mm, not again. But the guy needs help. The guy's in the church. Thank God he's in the church. What happened if he's decided not to show up? That's why I said attendance is important. Coming to Wednesday night is important. Coming to Sunday morning is important. Serving God with your time is important. We call it in our church the ministry of presence. 
the ministry of presence. In, in, in Psalms 84, the Bible says, How amiable are your tabernacles, O God? And David says, I'd rather be that doorkeeper of the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of, of wickedness. The Bible says all of these people, they show up. Every one of them shows up in Zion. And they go from glory to glory. They go through the valley of, 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 of Baca and make it a well. Why? Who are those people? The attendees. The attendees, those that attend regularly in the presence of God, they go from glory, glory, from glory to glory, from strength to strength. And the Bible says, and each one of them shows up. Before the Lord in Zion. The ministry of presence, you have to show up. Wednesday, show up. Sunday, show up. People in Uganda, they are showing up every night. I'm, I'm amazed with these people. I look at them and say, don't you get tired? Because sometimes I feel like if I wasn't the preacher, I wouldn't go today. But they show up. So thank God for them. So the, Jesus looks at this guy and says, hey, I'm here for you, but you have a few things to do. I need you to do a few things for me to heal you. And I want you to think about this uh, in your personal life. I don't know what you're believing God for. You need a miracle somewhere. You need a breakthrough somewhere. You need a financial miracle. You need God to touch you somehow, somewhere. This is what happened. The, Jesus said, first of all, stand in the midst. Stand where? In the midst. He didn't say, okay, I want to heal you, but let me arrange to take you somewhere where it's safe. I will touch you in the office. I heal you from the green room. Or let me make an appointment to meet you at Starbucks. No. He said, hey, if you want a miracle, you're going to have to risk everything and stand. Right? Where? In the midst of a controversy. Because this is a controversy now. The whole church doesn't want him to perform a miracle. The Pharisees are sticking to the law and they don't care about their life. And Jesus said, no, I am here for you, but I cannot heal you when you are mediocre. You're going to have to tell me which side do you want to stand on. If you back out, I cannot heal you. If you risk your life to obey me, I will stand up and defend you. Stand in the midst. In other words, if you're going to be healed, you cannot back out. You cannot be intimidated by the circumstances or by the challenge that you are facing. You cannot look at the mountain and say, it's too big. No way. You stand up against the challenge. You stand up against whatever is controversy. And you say, on Christ Jesus, the solid rock, I stand. So many things are going to weigh you down. So many things are going to put doubts in your mind. The size of the problem, the people that are surrounding you, the controversial voices and the things that are holding you back and limiting your enthusiasm and pouring water upon your passion. All those things are going to be used by the enemy to keep you away from your deliverance and your healing and your breakthrough. But Jesus said, if you can take a risk to stand, because he didn't know, because there could be a riot. The church could riot. I mean, they, 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 he had seen that before. They, sometimes they want to kill him. Some of them drag him and take him out of the church and throw him on the cliff or something. So he knew he was standing in a controversial kind of situation. And, and he wanted this guy to stand with him. So they are two against the whole body. And that's not easy. Because if you, if you endorsed the ministry of Jesus before these Pharisees, they will kick you out of the synagogue and you become a scapegoat or a black goat. You become a reason for them to criticize and kick you out in the community. 
and look at you funny. So nobody wanted to do that publicly. But Jesus said, if you want my power, you're going to have to stand. Stand on my word. Depend on what I can do. Look to me and be saved. Stand solid, strong in faith. Don't waver. Don't look away. Don't quit. Don't go home. Don't say, you know what, it's too difficult. Jesus, I love you, but you know what? This is going to take my entire life. I mean, you, you're going to end my reputation here. In other words, if you don't stand, you're going to fall. And if you fall, you are dead. If you disengage, you're not going to see a miracle. Your anointing, your power, your victory is not in quitting or throwing in the towel and say, I cannot do this. Your miracle comes when you stand for God. Quitting is not an option. The devil would want you to go home. The devil would like you to give up on your marriage, give up on your child, give up on your daughter, give up on your teenager and tells you nothing's going to happen. And he wants you to go home, disengage, and throw in the towel. But God says, your power, your anointing, your miracle is not in quitting. Your miracle is standing strong and declare, I know that my Redeemer lives, and I know that God will come through, and I know this too shall end. If you run away from the devil, the devil's going to run away, run after you. Some of you, <laughs> you think, oh, I think... Um, Ohio has whatever it is. I, there's a spirit in Ohio I don't like. I'm going to go to Alabama. When you run from Ohio to go to Alabama, guess what? The devil say, okay, I'll catch up with you later. So when you get off the airport in Alabama, guess what? The devil goes, now we're in Alabama. He comes with you. Whatever you don't conquer, it will conquer you. Whatever you don't defeat, it will defeat you. Whatever you run away from, it will run after you. But I believe the hour has come that we turn around and say, hey, you've been running after me. Now I'm going to run after you, devil. I'm going to kick you and get you out of my way everywhere I find you. The time has come for the church of Jesus Christ to stand strong, fight back. Let the devil know we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are immovable. We are steadfast. We are standing. We cannot bow. We cannot bend. We cannot burn. We cannot run away. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. You got a problem in your home? Stand up and fight. You got a challenge with your children? Stand up and fight for them. Stand up and fight for your tomorrow. Stand up and fight for your future. Stand up and fight for your family, for your children, for your next generation, for the ministry that God has given to you. You are a fighter. God has called you to fight. Stand up and fight. Fight back. Throw in the wall and go in and fight full battle in Jesus' name. He is here for you and he stands with you. And if you don't quit, you will see his power. In Jesus' name, somebody say, I will stand. Amen. Number two, uh, sit down for a minute. You scare me when you stand. And it's, it's like, okay, you got the point. Now close. <laughs> Number two, and he did. Say that with me. And he did. What is that? Obedience. Obedience. Every miracle is a result of obedience. Obedience. It is very simple. 
And this issue here of obedience is one of the greatest challenges that the church is facing. Because in the 21st century, we don't just obey like that quickly. We have to ask some questions. Don't you thank God that these guys were not a 21st century kind of people in the Bible? Jesus told them, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And he did. Wow, that's rare. If you ask that these days, especially in America, follow me. Okay, where are we going? Do you have a website about this place so I can look it up? That's how we obey. We don't obey like the Bible people obeyed. We obey after we ask the five questions. Peter, oh, follow Jesus quickly. But, but if Peter was an American, huh, what? Go work for you? Follow everywhere you go? Okay, what's the package? I need to know the, the salary package. I mean, I'm, I'm married, I have kids, so I need to know what's going on. Insurance comes with it or what? Every miracle is in the Bible. Pick up your bed and go home. And he did, and a miracle followed. Stand up and stood up. Very simple. Obedience. And I... I, I Somebody said this, that every good army obeys at once. Okay? So, so that's important. If we know how to obey once, we can see exponential miracles. Exponential miracles. Have you ever seen an army whereby the commander says, Hey, guys, we're going to go tomorrow and lay an ambush at 5 a.m. tomorrow. Everybody got that? I said, oh, What? 5 a.m. I'm going to sleep in tomorrow. That was, I was planning to sleep in tomorrow. Oh, no. That, uh, Commander, Captain, I'm so sorry, but that, that is my big breakfast day. And I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. So they are all divided. And that's what the Bible, the, the church does. What will happen if we create what I call an epidemic of obedience? That the church acts like an army, a real army. We all obey at once. Pastor Dozek tells us, hey, this coming week, everybody should, this coming Easter, everybody should bring at least three people to the church. Regardless. Say, amen. Say, so look at me like I'm from the moon. You know, <laughs> it's like you were crazy. You don't know that. That can be done in Africa, but not here. But look at this. You can do this. If we can obey once, we can see an epidemic of obedience. Epidemic of obedience. Everybody obeys at the same time. We do that in our church. And if, you know, I, don't, I don't do it every week or every month. But when God tells me, I do it. I say, everybody now, this is an epidemic of obedience that's needed. Everybody do A, B, and C. Psh, you see it. You can pray for five years and not see it. And everybody obeys at the same time and you can see it happen. We can see it. 2,000 people come to Jesus on one weekend. Or 3,000 come to Jesus in one weekend. Because everybody obeyed at the same time. This house can be filled so many times every Sunday. If we obeyed at the same time. Other than waiting for five years. One by one, slowly by slowly. No, 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 no. Obedience. Everybody obeys at the same time. And all of a sudden, you create an epidemic. A positive epidemic. 
Can you say amen? And they, and they obeyed. And, that, and that's the good thing about Jesus, about the Bible. They actually obey the scripture. Sometimes we say, I, I'm obedient. I'm, I'm obeying the scripture. But really, you're obeying only the easy part of the scripture. Yeah, you find the cheapest way of obeying God. I want you to obey even when it is not as convenient. This guy risked his life. He could be stoned to death by endorsing the ministry of Jesus. He's right there. And Jesus said, I want you to stand in the middle, not at the rear, not in the office, right here. I want to prove to everybody here that you can violate the Sabbath because of me. Here, in the midst of controversy, in the midst of a challenge, in the midst of everyone looking at you crazy, stand and say, on Christ Jesus, I'm going to stand, stand in the midst of a church, in the midst of your marriage, stand, say, I'm going to fight. Can you say amen? Now, listen, and, and he did, and uh, I'm going to close this by saying, the, the minute this guy stood up, I see Jesus standing up for him. I see Jesus saying, hey, hey, do you think it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? In other words, he said that for his defense. Why? He maybe expected a, a reaction. So he stood up, and the Bible says in another scripture in Mark, they all kept silent, quiet. He shut his, their mouth because he came to defend this man who has taken a risk to obey him. When you take a risk for God, God will stand up for you and for your defense. You cannot sink under the waters of obedience. And finally, he looks at this guy. That's my last point. He looks at this guy and say, now stretch forth your hand. So another, another layer of obedience there. Okay, It's like, thank you for standing when I told you to stand. But now let us take obedience to another level. Stretch forth your hand. Now, this guy could have had some excuses. Jesus, I stood to obey you because my legs have no problem. So I obey you when I can. I stood because I have no problem with my legs. But you're now taking it too far. You are speaking right into my disability. You are telling me to do what I cannot do. Do you know how many times I tried this hand? My doctors told me, try to stretch it all the time, pump the blood. Maybe something will happen. Do you know that this problem has now become my, my identity? People don't even know my name. They know me by my problem. They didn't address me as a man. They, they didn't address me as... Uh, uh, they didn't address me by my name. They addressed me as a man with a withered hand. So the problem has become my identity. How dare you do this to me? You make everybody quiet. Make me the center of attention and then speak into my issue, my problem, my situation that I'm unable to change. Are you mocking me? 
Are you making me stand out? And then speaking about my weakness. Kids laugh at me. Everybody look at me funny because of my problem. They always tell me the guy that has a problem with this, the guy that has a dysfunctional family, the guy that has disobedient children, my problem has now become my identity in the whole church. They identified me with my problem. And they, that is exactly what God wants. He wants you to bring your issues right at the center stage for the display of God's power and God's presence in Jesus' name. I know I'm speaking to somebody tonight. Something is happening in your life that Jesus wants to address today. And God says, I stand in the authority and in the power of miracles, not to embarrass you, not to bring you to a point where you are embarrassed before everybody, but I stand before you as the maker of that, that hand. Don't you feel that there's a possibility for you to go home unhealed after I exposed your problem to everybody? Why? Because my name is Jesus. I was there when that hand was made. Actually, I made that hand. If I made it, I can correct it. I stand here in the authority of my father who sent me on this mission to bring healing and deliverance to his people. I dare you. You stretch it, I will heal it. I stand before you as Alpha and Omega, as the beginning and the end, as the maker of life itself. And if I tell you to stretch it, I will bring the power to make it whole. Can you at least think about the possibility that your situation is no more? Can you even fathom that? Can you put that in your mind? Can you believe that all things are possible? Can you believe that the maker of the universe can never forsake you or leave you or make you sink in the water of obedience? Can you at least will your will to do the will of God? Can you at least begin to say, I cannot do it, but the little I can, I will do and let the power of God start from there. There's no such a thing as impossibles. We've seen miracles. Your pastor has seen miracles, signs and wonders all over this place and all around, around the world. And today is no exception. I don't know what's happening. I, I have to close now. Um, oh, I should have closed it 15 minutes ago. Are you sure? You tell that one African, you could be here another two hours. Stand on your feet, please. We're going to pray a prayer. And it's going to be a, a short prayer because of time. But I'm going to pray with you that the Lord Jesus Christ will come into your life. I don't know the kind of miracle you need. I don't know the sign and wonder you need God to do for you. I don't, want, I, 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 I don't know what you are believing God for. But I came here to stand with you in faith to believe that all things are possible in Jesus' name. What is impossible before man? It is possible before God. Some of you, today you need to stretch that hand. I don't know what it is. Your hand represents a lot of other things. And uh, I didn't talk about that, but it's the right hand. The Bible says your right hand has become glorious in power. Your right hand has dashed down the enemy. The right hand represents ability, authority, power. A right hand represents the best area that you need God to touch. I don't know which, which one is that. 
your right hand represents your life, your ability, your potential, your future, your destiny. Whatever God has deposited inside of you that means a lot to you. Before God, there is power. Before us tonight, the presence of God is here. And a miracle can happen in Jesus' name. Stretch forth your hand. He was speaking to him. He was addressing his mind. He was addressing his mentality. He was addressing his heart at the same time. Can you even think about it? Because he had never thought about this before. He has never thought that a day will come where he will be able to stretch that hand. So for him to even hear Jesus say that, stretch that hand. In other words, there are situations in your life that you know will never even be ironed out. You have accepted them as they are. In your home, in your family. I don't know what you're doing. Maybe in your, in your health, there are issues that the doctors told you. Accept them as they are. Now the guy is hearing a different story and a different statement and say, no, 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 no. Don't accept that as finality. Stretch forth your hand. Your marriage can be better. Your children can be better. Your future can be better. Your ministry can be better. Your life can be better. Your, your, whatever you do, God has called you for, can be better. Don't accept the status quo. Allow the supernatural to kick in and God will do the rest. Stretch forth your hand. So as a sign for us to believe in this word and take it, I'm going to ask you to come here. Again, five minutes or less. We're going to come in the front here and I want you to stretch your hand to all whatever you want God to do in your life. You need a miracle. You need something in your life. You need the presence and the power of God to come and straighten that thing out. I want you to come here by faith. Stand here and say, God, I give it to you. I stretch my hand. I receive a miracle from you. I pray that, Lord, you start something new in my life, in my heart, in my soul, in Jesus' name. Stretch forth your hand in Jesus' name. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Come on. Lift your hands to Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Let me pray with you. I want you to pray this prayer after me quickly and say, Lord Jesus, I can hear you say, Lord Jesus, I stretch my hand by faith as a representation of your awesome miracles in my life today. As I stretch my hand, I bring all situations that are impossible in my heart, in my life, at my home, in my finances, in my circumstances. By stretching my hand, I declare all those areas are being touched by the power of God. By faith, in the mighty name of Jesus. I do not doubt, I believe, I believe that your miracles are upon me even right now. Devil, I bind your power. I silence you right now. I kick you out of my life. In Jesus' name, sickness and disease, poverty and scarcity. In Jesus' name. I overcome you by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. In Jesus' name, I call a miracle from you, Jesus. 
upon my life. Now I'm going to ask you to stretch your hands and I want you to pray for another two minutes. Two minutes. I'm going to lay hands on just a few of you. Two minutes as a representation. I cannot pray for everybody, but I'm going to pray for you for a miracle. I don't know what you need from the Lord. I want you to pray that the God of Israel will stretch that area of your life. He will stretch that area of your life. He will stretch that area of your life. He will touch you. He will bless you. He will heal you. He will deliver you. He will make everything straight and new. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on. Talk to the Lord right now. Lift your voice. Lift your voice and talk to the Lord right now. Father, by the power of the presence of the living God, we declare in Jesus' name that the miracles of the Father are upon us. That the grace of God is upon our lives in Jesus' name. God, we release miracles, signs and wonders. Come on, lift your voice, lift your voice. Release a miracle in the mighty name of Jesus. A sign and a wonder in his life in the mighty name of Jesus. Receive miracles, receive signs and wonders. Receive a miracle, receive a miracle. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Stretch your hand to touch him. Stretch your hand to feel his touch. Stretch your hand for miracle. Declare in the name of Jesus. A miracle touch is here. A miracle presence is here. Receive a miracle. Receive a miracle. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. Receive a miracle. Receive a miracle in Jesus' name. We stop every pain, every sickness, every disease, every infirmity, all all sorts of challenges. We stop it in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare in the name of Jesus. Release a miracle. Release a sign and a wonder. Release in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I break out and break through in Jesus' name. Father, release your anointing. A new release, a new anointing, a new measure, a new increase. Of God, I pray, a new levels of discernment, or progressive revelation upon his life. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, for entire life, for entire ministry, for entire everything he does. Release it from above. Let him go to a new level. Somebody lift your voice and pray. In the name of Jesus, we release a miracle. We release miracles, signs and wonders. Choosing to stay. Super 
this service and uh, so he's come a long way to deposit something in your life and I trust that you got something deposited in your life not only from word but with the touch of God hallelujah so if you'll pick up an envelope off of the back of your pew or if you need one just ask someone else there's there are plenty of them situated around the sanctuary and uh ask you just to do your best tonight as you sow into that seed that seed that you give him to a prophet will bring bring back to you a prophet's reward and so as you sow a seed into him then we're going to help him go around the world help him do what he's doing in uganda when you go there you'll see not just i i mean like a, a city of orphanage and uh and it's just where people are getting educated, getting touched. They just told us a miracle that transpired. A young lady had, she was born deaf and dumb. And uh, she had no ears. All she had was hunks of meat on the side of her head. And uh, she didn't have any holes in her head. And of course, we've seen, seen miracles like that and showed them to you on uh, DVD from other countries. But... He prayed for this young girl and she could hear and she could speak after that they took her out of the deaf and dumb school and enrolled him into one of his schools and she's there now learning she's doing well and she's progressing and she's becoming a good student but just a few months ago she was deaf and dumb that is the power of a miracle and so we're going to help him go back and we're going to help him be empowered to touch his city, touch the orphanages, touch the churches, and to preach the gospel to that part of the world. So give your best. It's all going to go to him. And uh, as you do, God's going to give it back to you. Just
just as he would reward if you would give it to him you're giving it to Christ so let's write out your checks payable to only believe ministries and that check will be made out then one to him and he'll be able to take that with him and travel back home and he'll be blessed amen and uh, so let's pray over your seat father in the name of Jesus God we join our faith to thank you tonight for pastor Jackson God that you have brought him to touch our life to deposit into our life God to enrich us God to refresh us and to bring a visitation from you to us now God we ask that this seed that we give God as we give it to a prophet that God we would receive a prophet's reward we thank you for it in Jesus mighty name amen and amen God bless you see you Sunday morning please